Right, let's get this out of the way. You are going to try to trick me to reveal what is the what the conspiracy I'm pulling out of my not at all metaphorical hat this week. So, rather than let you know, let me finish. Rather than let you attempt to bamboozle or fool me with your mouth shames, I'm going to tell you two lies and one truth, with the truth being related to the topic of this week. That should help you in your guessing. Okay, let's play. Statement one. The Earth is an oblate spheroid. Well, that's obviously true. Obviously? Really? Have you been to space, Josh? Have you seen the grand majesty of the planet? How do you know it's not toroidal, or a complex geometrical shape made out of cheese? Um, well... Well, you don't. You don't. Statement two. Julius Caesar is dead. Well, he is. Or is he? I mean, you could survive 23 stabbings, and maybe that would make him functionally immortal. See? Already you are realising just how tricky this game is. Mm. Statement three. Soylent is people. Soylent green? Green, brown, beige, whatever colour colour you please. Okay, well, I think the last one has to be a lie. You can't get me with a pop culture reference, dear professor. And I'm going to assume Julius Caesar is dead because... Well, such an historical and politically influential individual was still alive, we'd know about it. I mean, he was the Winston Peters of his day, and he's died, he's died politically at least twice. So that means the truth is about the shape of the earth. Yes, congratulations. You have spotted the truth amongst the lies. So the, conspir- uh, so the episode, rather, is about some conspiracy about the shape of the planet? No, it's a conspiracy set on the face of the earth. Oh, that, that's not very helpful. I never said it would be helpful. You literally did. You said that should help you in your guessing. There is no way you can prove that. I'm an audio vampire. My voice doesn't record. But, but then how do we produce a podcast? Oh, I get Rutger Hauer to re-record my lines in post. Yeah, but he's dead. Or, or, or is he? He's seen things you wouldn't believe. Backflips the shoulder of Brian... He watched C-SPAN in the dark, drinking a Tannhauser stout. And you think all those moments would be lost in time, like bears down the drain? Toodles, time to fly. Hmm, accurate. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy. I am Josh Edison, sitting at home in Auckland, New Zealand. They are Dr. M. Dentith, hydrating responsibly in Zhuhai, China. Well, it is 32 degrees outside mm. and I got very sweaty coming into the office. So I need to I can replace the liquids I've extruded by putting new liquids into one of my orifices. It's the best way of doing it. Now, um, it's what the conspiracy and it's your turn so before I, I basically just kick my feet up, turn off our notes and, and, and sit back and let you do all the work, uh, have we anything to say in the way of administration, sort of preambulatory stuff? Well, this week is a bit of an experiment and that I'm recording from the office and not my apartment as kind of a solution to a problem which hopefully will be resolved by recording here, which has been the last two episodes we've recorded since my being in Zuhai. We've had issues in that if you watch the video version, you will actually see exactly what happens. Moments where basically Josh and I just lose connection and we also lose our train of thought. Those who listen to the podcast, you may not have spotted the issues so much, but the last two episodes have been an absolute pain to do in the edit. So we're hoping by changing location, we can make that problem just disappear. Although I have to say, as you delivered that bit, you all broke up and went wonky for me. So we'll see how it goes. As, as we said before, the setup we have records our sound streams um, separately at, at each end, which means you, the listener, get perfect quality when everything's edited together. But um, we, we, the editors, have to do a little bit of work to, um, to, to, to uh, smooth around the edges when things go wonky. Yes. Yes, there's a lot more production in this podcast than you actually might think, given the content and Mm. the delivery and the way that post-production actually works. There's a lot more going on in the background than 
maybe you thought, although possibly only slightly more than you thought, about 5%. Probably. I don't know. Uh, well, if that's all there is, then how about you You play a, a jaunty little sting and we can get right into it. Indeedy. Let's play that sting about now. It's time to play What the Conspiracy. Well, you kind of gave the game away at the start there by saying that it's set on planet Earth. I mean, out of the countless trillions and trillions of planets, you've already narrowed it down to a single one. So I think you might have might have made a, a minor stumble there. Specifically for the where, I'm going to guess China. I, th- I, I think you've been investigating local local conspiracies to try and um, get me one there. Uh, either that or it's been too hot for you to leave your apartment and so you've actually cobbled one together just from what you could find around your living space. Um, which means Ah, the that, conspiracy that... of the empty noodle packet. You've got me. You've got me. Mm. Mm. Uh, so in that case, I think the win is probably going to be uh, last Tuesday but also most of the 18th century. And the what? It's been a while since I, since I tried and failed with a, a dairy-related conspiracy. Um, so I think, I, think, I think we're due one. I think we're finally due. Um, so I'm going to say it will involve uh, full cream milk. Interesting. You've almost got one of the questions. Almost. Now, before I reveal Was it the, the milk answer one? to the three questions, no, unfortunately, the dairy thing is probably never going to happen until such time it does. So my, my bonus question is, Josh, if you were to list from the Roman Empire onwards, the big empires and civilizational complexes which controlled and influenced the development of the Northern Hemisphere, who would you consider to be the big players? So from the Romans onwards? Yeah. Yeah, and the Northern Hemisphere. And the Northern Hemisphere, yep. Yeah. So the big one, well, I mean, you, you've got, after after the Romans, you had the, your, your, your sort of Normany, Frenchy ones and your, your, your Germany sort of European-y ones. Obviously, then over in Asia, you had the, the, the Chinese uh, civilizations going through various dynasties um, and, and Korean and Japan and what have you and, and, and the various other areas of Asia there. India was always going fairly strong for a good wee while. Uh, and then moving forwards a little bit, then you get your sort of your Anglo-Saxons and your and, and all your business leading up to the British Empire. The Dutch, I guess the Dutch had a bit to do. The Portuguese, they managed to get their, their hooks into Brazil. Um, I'm guessing I haven't named the one that you're going to talk about. No, you've managed to not mention the most technologically advanced and sophisticated culture which controlled the world for almost 1,000 years. It's quite surprising. Your historical education is very, very lacking because today's What the Conspiracy is a conspiracy theory about hidden history. It it concerns concerns the Northern Hemisphere, although only mostly about the Northern Hemisphere. There's some Southern Hemisphere stuff as well we'll get to towards the end of our discussion. And the when... It's around about a thousand years ago, but the plot continues to go on to this day. Because, John, I want to introduce you to the Tartarian Empire. Oh, them, right. They're, they're the inventors of steak tartare, right? No. At least invented... not that I'm aware. I mean, they were a vast and technologically advanced culture. I don't even know that steak tartare is a particularly technologically advanced way of cooking is it steak meat. steak tartare? Am I thinking of tartare sauce, which you have on in, in McDonald's fillet of fishes? Did they invent the fillet of fish? Well, I mean, they are a vast and technologically uh, culture, and the fillet of fish is certainly... Edible? One of the bits of modern capitalism which seems unnecessary, so possibly part of... Being technologically advanced. I mean, as far as I can tell, most technologically advanced cultures are cultures which engage in a large amount of waste. And the fillet de fish seems like a very wasteful product. So, sure, yeah, the Tartarian Empire, among its many, many inventions, was the fillet de fish. Excellent. Presumably. That is the I only actually, I fact no I intend idea. to take from this episode. 
Well, actually, keep talking anyway. It's uh, yeah. There's probably not many facts to take from this episode at all because this is a what the conspiracy episode. So right. obviously, the history I'm about to tell you is probably not going to be true. Oh well. Okay. So the Tartarian Empire was a vast and, as I said, technologically advanced culture which originated in North Central Asia, not China, but the area that used to be called Tartary on maps and is now typically associated with the geographical region of Siberia. Okay. So it's probably important at this stage to note that there are maps which mention Tartaria or Tartary, but those are maps which are indicating a geographical region. That region is not necessarily the same as the region that was controlled by the Tartarian Empire itself, as we'll get to. So the Tartarian Empire is the true story of Tartary and not the stuff that you might have been taught at school. Although, how much about Siberia were you actually taught at school? Uh, taught, taught at school, nothing. Um, absorbed from popular culture, uh, it's cold. It's cold and they have prisons there. Yes. But actually, yep. wasn't one of the Bond films they start with an outbreak from a Siberian prison? Oh, almost certainly. Yeah. Now, the Tartarians were a powerful and influential people whose works and reach spread across the Northern Hemisphere and possibly beyond, and they either influenced or built fast cities and infrastructure all over the world. And yet, around about a thousand years ago, although this date is disputed, either due to a sudden cataclysm or a steady decline due to warfare, Tartaria fell... Its cities and architectures were buried or destroyed, and its history has been deliberately erased by the cultures that came after it. Ooh, deliberately erased. Okay, so now we're getting well, this, I mean, this is a what the conspiracy. I mean, if you don't know yep, about the yep. Tartarian Empire, there must be a rationale as to why you don't know about the Tartarian Empire. Of course, there could be more than one rationale as to why you don't know about the Tartarian Empire, but we're going to pursue the conspiracy theory angle at this particular juncture. Now, some buildings have survived the fall of Tartaria, but they've been falsely made out to be the work of contemporary builders, and indeed, some of these ancient, at least 1,000-year-old Tartarian bits of architecture have been inexpertly modified to make them look non-Tartarian in, or, in origin. So these buildings are often said to be modern, but a large number of them turn out to be at least a thousand years old. And actually, let me give you some examples of Tartarian architecture and buildings that you might know of, which you don't know the true origin of. So, the Taj Mahal built by the Tartarians and not by the Indians. The Pyramids of Egypt, okay. built by the Tartarians and not by the Egyptians. The Great Wall of China, built by the Tartarians. And why did the Tartarians build the Great Wall of China, Josh? Um, oh, I saw that film. It had Matt Damon in it, and there were there were aliens, lizard, lizard space aliens that landed in a meteorite and were rampaging across China. No. No, the Great right. Wall of China was built by the Tartarians to keep the Chinese out of Tartaria. Pedro Pascal, he was in it too. He was the sidekick. And Willem Dafoe, weird film. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for that and going, I don't think I ever need to watch this film. I would say you don't. It's it's Shang Yimou, so it's very pretty. It's the guy who did sort of Hero and House of Flying Daggers and what have you. So it looks, Which, it looks from great. from memory, are very good-looking films, but rather light on plot and character motivation. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 don't, I, I think you could live quite happily without seeing it. But, but I did, because it was on Netflix, and there you go. And you have no self-control. Hmm. Also, Bastion Starforts. Do you know what a Bastion Starfort is? I don't, no. So a bastion star fort is a fort, which is a bastion in the shape of a star. So it's got basically five pointed triangles coming out from a central location, which end up being very well-developed forts for protection, because basically you can have a whole bunch of guns or armament out on the points, and you can have all of the people actually inside the fort. You've got really, really strong fortified walls. 
And the thing which is interesting about best-gen star forts is that you find a lot of them in Europe, and you find a fair number of them in the Americas, but you also find an awful lot of them out around Asia, particularly around the area of Malaysia and Hong Kong. So there are a lot of these bastion star forts, and people who are advocates of the Tartarian Empire go, well, why would you find this common architectural style, both in Europe and Asia, when they're not meant to be connected? unless one culture built both of them. So Bastion Starfort's also put forward as being evidence of the Tartarian Empire. For a specific example, for listeners of the show who want to actually go and look at an image of a Tartarian building, one of the major Tartarian bits of architecture which is still said to be standing is the Singer Building in Lower Manhattan. Now, this building was ostensibly designed by Ernest Flagg in 1908. It's a 27-story building. It was, at the time of its apparent construction, the tallest building in the world. And it was demolished in 1967, ostensibly because it lacked office space. And actually, for a kind of interesting link to 9-11, when the Singer building was demolished, it was the tallest ever building to be demolished in peacetime, which is to say that taller buildings were in fact destroyed in wartime, but the Singer building is the first tall building of its type to ever be peacefully demolished. And actually looking into this, a case of, I wonder, I wonder what they they what they think about the whole the whole Twin Towers destruction thing. Because technically the Twin Towers were not destroyed in wartime. They were destroyed in peacetime, but they also weren't peacefully mm. demolished. I think there's a kind of interesting lacuna here as to mm, when we talk about peaceful versus warful demolition, actually, where does the Twin Towers fit in? And also, where does it fit in depending on who you think was responsible for the destruction of the Twin Towers? I thought that was kind of interesting sidebar here. So, yeah, mm. the Singer Building was the world's tallest building. It was also the first tall building to ever be demolished of that particular size and people take it that this is actually a one of the last remnants of the Tartarian Empire and it was destroyed not because it lacked office space but because people asking very awkward questions of who designed that building that building really stands out hmm I'm asking questions all oh, the buildings gone my questions have just completely disappeared right I'm I'm struggling here, I'll admit. Uh, first of all, the Taj Mahal and the pyramids in Egypt are very different looking things and made of different stuff and and for completely different purposes. What, 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 is, what, what, what is characteristic of this Tartarian architecture that people can look at things as different as those and say, ah, we can show that they were actually all the same work of the same civilization. Now you ask a very good question, and I'm going to answer that, and you're going to immediately think of the answer, but I don't want you to mm-hmm. express that answer until we get to the end of the episode, because it kind of gives the game away as to what's going on here. Okay. The people who are advocates of the Tartarian Empire hypothesis, the things like the Taj Mahal, the pyramids, and the Great Wall of China, were in fact built by the Tartarians, and not by the Indians, the Egyptians, or the Chinese, is that they argue these particular structures stand out as being unusual, and thus their unusualness needs to be explained, because obviously the people who were living in those locations could not have designed or built those buildings. Now, you've probably already glommed on to an obvious explanation here as to why people think that, but we'll come back to that later on. Let's talk ever so slightly about what happened to Tartaria. Because, of course, if the Tartarian Empire did exist, the question is, what happened to it? And the answer is, it's vague. As I said before, there are kind of two hypotheses. Either there was a sudden cataclysm that basically made the Tartarian Empire disappear, or it was a gradual decline. Advocates of the sudden cataclysm hypothesis claim that there was an apocalyptic flood of mud 
which basically buried all of the existing buildings and cities of the Tartarian Empire, effectively allowing nature to erase Tartarian Empire's existence from the face of the earth. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this? Actually, no. I'll let you. I'll I'll let you have your fi- I'll let you have your finger on, on this first. I was gonna. I was just wanted to jump back briefly. This building in America, which they claim was built in in the, in the early nineteen hundreds, but is actually what centuries old, a thousand years old, or something. Possibly a thousand years old. Yes. Which means when people arrived in the area, that building would have been there, and only that building, unless there were more, and they demolished others of them to make New York. That that seems like something someone would have mentioned. You're already grasping on an explanation here. When people turned up in the Americas, those cities were already there. I see. America's history has been rewritten. I see. So basically the entirety of American history, uh, the the population of America is is essentially a, a gestalt hermit crab living in the living in the discarded shell of another civilization i mean that's already true if you don't believe in the tartarian in empire well yes i suppose the yes the 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 uh, first nations civilizations were large with enormous cities and trading routes and what have you which which all just kind of went away mm, disappeared but, erased um, and nobody talks about it, as if that history does not exist food for thought Mm. But anyway, I feel I'm getting ahead of things, so so do carry on. So uh, an apocalyptic mudslide is one theory. Well, and also what in what no well, what's interesting about the mud hypothesis is actually there's already a civilization that we know this did occur to, which is the Indus Valley or Harappan civilization, which is in the north of India, which was basically a civilization of cities along a major trade route, which was a river. That river was prone to flooding, and due to a change in the water table, basically the area of the Indus Valley that the Harappan civilization was located in got flooded with an awful lot of mud, and almost all evidence of the Harappan civilization has been buried under meters and meters of mud, which actually gets you to a really interesting thing about the labor cost of archaeology, and that we know about the Harappan civilization because the Victorians had access to very cheap labor, so they're able to dig these cities up. Modern archaeologists are having to rely on the cityscapes that were dug up by the Victorians because it turns out that employing people to dig through 10 to 20 meters of mud to find evidence of a previous civilization is incredibly expensive and not something you can get on a grant these days. Mm. So the Harappan civilization kind of disappeared due to a tidal mud apocalypse. It's just it isn't on the scale of the claim of the, of the Tartarian Im- Empire, which spanned the entirety of the Northern Hemisphere. Okay, so that's, that's theory one. Well, no, 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 there's more, because one of the bits of, well, no, one of the bits of evidence that's used for the mud explanation or the apocalypse is the fact that there are an awful lot of basements in buildings, particularly in America, where these basements have street-level basement windows. So they're kind of thing where you've got a little walkway down into a basement and there's a window. And people have gone, why were they building basements with windows unless the level of the ground has changed substantially, which does raise the question, Josh, why did people build basements with windows back in the day? For fun? To to give the giant Judas bug humanoid cockroach things a way to come in and, and visit them? We're not talking about Mimic 1, Mimic 2, but we may talk about Mimic 3. Mm, mm. Which is also the film Rear Window with a giant cockroach with giant bugs. Yes, yeah, no, good film, yeah. good film. Yeah, actually, yeah, Mimic Three. Uh, I no, think I don't know. Is a good film, right? So yeah, so there is so there. No, I was just going to say I don't know. I do not know why okay. they had windows in their basements. Yeah. So 
And that actually is an interesting question because when you actually consider the answer, it's actually quite interesting in its own particular respect. We'll come back to that in just, okay. in just a minute. So, yeah, so the flood was basically somewhere between 1,000 to 500 years ago and has been historicized as the great flood of Noah in order to disguise actually how recent that flood was. Now, of course, there's a big question here as to how big was this flood, given the Tartarian Empire basically spanned almost every known country in the Northern Hemisphere. It was in Europe, it was in Siberia. It seems to have been in North America at the time. It seems like a fairly large flood, which doesn't seem particularly plausible, but that is one of the hypotheses. The other hypothesis is that the Tartarian Empire fell because of war with other competing nation-states. Right, which was, if they were all over the world, I'm assuming the competing nation-states would have been pretty much all of them? Yes, so there seems to have been some kind of grand alliance between all of the states of Western Europe versus the Tartarian Empire. People who are advocates of the warfare decline of the Tartarian Empire claim that basically the Napoleonic Wars have been rewritten to disguise the fact that Napoleon was leading warfare against the Tartarians, which began the decline of the Tartarian Empire, and the Tartarian Empire was finally finished off with both World War I and World War II, which were not actually fought against the Nazis at all. There's a cover story for the true enemy of humanity, the Tartarians. Right, so was... When, when is this downfall dated to then? The, your apocalyptic well, mudslide, so, I'm assuming, was yeah. a long time ago, but this slow downfall sounds like it was sort of centuries in the making. Yes, yeah, so if you're an advocate of the mud apocalypse, then the Tartarian Empire probably collapsed about a thousand years ago. If you're an advocate of the steady decline due to warfare, then that decline may have started a thousand years ago, as a variety of different nation-states basically started fighting against the Tartarian Empire. But the Tartarian Empire itself was finally eradicated sometime in the middle of the last century, which would then explain why people went around then destroying evidence of the empire, like the Singer Building in the 1960s, as they basically went, well, look, they're gone now. Now we need to get rid of every single bit of evidence that might make people ask, but who built that building and why were they so advanced? Mm. Okay, well, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. You want, you, want, you want evidence now, don't you? I, that is exactly what I was about to ask you. What, what, what actual evidence do people point to for any sort of justification of this theory? All right, evidence point one. <clears throat> there are maps showing Tartary as a great country. Now, admittedly, these might be showing the geographical region known as Tartary, now known as Siberia. So maps on their own aren't particularly indicative. Although there are interesting maps that show Tartary and North America using the same colour coding on one map, which then goes, well, surely it's not now the region of Tartary, because it makes no sense to link Siberia with North America it makes much more sense if they're color-coded as with, say, yellow, that this is showing an area that's controlled by a singular mm. people, which then gets you to evidence point two. Tartaria had not just one, but two flags. And as we know, according to Eddie Izzard, having a flag definitely means you are a country. That's what makes you a country, yep. Well, where, where, do we, where do we know these flags from? They're in books as flags of Tartaria. It's a black griffin on a yellow background. Right. But 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 what books? The book of, books. book of made-up flags? No, no, no. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Yeah, books of flags, history books. Part of the problem here is that a lot of countries had yellow-backed flags with black griffins, so it's not actually particularly good evidence on, yeah. on, on its own once again. So let me now read to you from a CIA document. So this do. document was written in June of 1957. It was declassified in 1999. For those of you who want to go and look at the document in full, the document is CIA-RDP78-1. 
dash zero two seven seven one R zero 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 two zero 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 nine zero 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 two dash six. It's entitled National Development Under Communism. And I quote, I believe, from page 12. Or let us take the matter of history, which along with religion, language, and literature constitute the core of a people's cultural heritage. Here again, the communists have interfered in a shameless manner. For example, on the 9th of August, 1944, the Central Committee of the Communist Party, sitting in Moscow, issued a directive ordering the party's Tartar Provincial Committee to proceed to a scientific revision of the history of Tartaria, to liquidate serious shortcomings and mistakes of a nationalistic character committed by individual writers and historians in dealing with Tartar history. In other words, Tartar history was to be rewritten, let us be frank, was to be falsified, in order to eliminate references to great Russian aggressions and to hide the facts of the real cause of the Tartar-Russian relations. And this was no isolated case. In every Muslim area within the USSR, historians on orders of the Communist Party have rewritten history to distort the facts so that the Russians appear always in a good light. Needless to say, histories which present the facts truthfully have been withdrawn and destroyed so that the present and future generations of Muslims are forever denied the chance of learning the true facts of their nation's past. Okay, and... And they're not talking about Tartaria as just another name for Siberia there? Well, that's a very good question. Are they? Well, well I mean, I don't know, because I, I have no notes in front of me and you know everything in this particular yes, so exchange. That's the, you've, you've glommed onto the important point there, because if you start looking up the Tartarian Empire stuff online, you will find a reference to the CIA document, and you'll find this paragraph copy-pasted onto websites galore. That is a quote, as I say, from page 12. If you read the entire document, you get a flavour of exactly what the author is trying to say. And actually, it's quite an interesting document to read in full, because the author or authors are very, very pleased with, with particular turns of phrase that they use. So there's a frequent refrain found on almost every page which is such as the manner in which the communists respect Muslim beliefs and customs, Muslim national and cultural institutions. So they're pointing out that the communists came into power on opposition of the czarist form of Russian rulership. They initially said, look, we are one people together. We celebrate diversity. We want everybody to be able to express their cultural uh, institutions and practices. And then within a few years, the Central Committee was going, no, you must act like us, you must talk like us, you must stop You must stop acting in your own individual ways. So the entire document is about how the communists, even though they rode in on diversity as good, after about a decade or so, were going, mm, actually, diversity isn't very good for party unity, so stop being diverse and start being Russian. So the entire document is actually about how the Russians were basically rewriting the entire history of the Russian region to make everyone Russian rather than, say, people Ukrainian or Kazakhstan or from the area of Siberia. And they were particularly interested in making sure that religious diversity kind of disappeared so that the Soviet Union would not have to worry about religious strife. Uh, there's an entire section there about how initially the Soviet Union was actually quite keen on Muslims having Sharia law courts and then weren't so keen on it. And actually what's particularly amusing about the CIA document is that the authors of the document are going, isn't it terrible? The Russians are against Sharia law. I mean, it just shows they have no respect for people and their cultural institutions. And it's just kind of interesting to look back on how the CIA were talking about Sharia law in the 1960s versus the bugbear that Sharia law has become in the modern age. You can't really imagine the CIA advocating that Muslims should be allowed to have their own legal courts now, can you? Not now. But yes, I suppose that doesn't surprise me even going back to, you know, the 80s when when the Mujahideen were the good guys and in, in Rambo 3 and... 
whichever um, and whatever other action movies were set in that region at the time, and then um, yes, allies become enemies, and enemies become allies, and all that weird geopolitical bollocks that they do seem to enjoy. Yes, yes. History is a complex beast. So yes, mm. this particular CIA document is not about the rewriting of history to get rid of the Tartarian Empire. This document is about the rewriting of Muslim history within Russia. And given that many of the Muslims in Russia were to be found around the area of Tartary and Siberia, the CIA writers are using the terminology of the day as opposed to referring to the empire which has disappeared. But it's a classic case of taking one paragraph in a long, longer document and by robbing it of its, of its context, suddenly it seems to say something it actually doesn't. And that kind of gets us to the contextual stuff about the other evidence. So when we talked about, say, the Taj Mahal, the Pyramids of Egypt, and the Great Wall of China, I kind of said there's a quite an obvious explanation which maybe people might be overlooking. What what was I talking about there? I'm not sure, because I I couldn't see an explanation for why you'd think those things would be there other than... Oh, oh, oh. Are we talking aliens? Well, we're talking about the motivation behind aliens built these things, yes. What's, what is the ultimate mo- motivation behind aliens built the pyramids the Egyptians didn't? Oh, racism. Yeah. Good old-fashioned racism. Those, yeah, those dark-skinned Good old-fashioned racism. People. How could the Egyptians build a pyramid? I mean, building a pyramid is really quite complex despite the fact that actually pyramids are very simple shapes to build. It's pretty How much a triangle-shaped pile of blocks. The, the Taj Mahal. I mean, and I'm, I'm putting on my pretending to be racist voice here. I mean, they're, they're such a, a dirty, vile people. How could they build something so beautiful? It's basically, ra- basically racism. These people cannot imagine that a particular culture built X or Y. So they have to imagine that there was some other culture which built it, which history has basically removed in the same respect that when Eric von Däniken was advocating that the pyramids were built by a- by space aliens. That was a case of von Däniken going, well, I can't imagine the Egyptians could have built something so majestic when we were still living in mud huts over in Europe. So there must have been some other people. In fact, it must have been some non-human set of people because there's no way that non-European humans could have built something so majestic before we ever got round to it. Mm. Mm. That always reminds me, I saw, a, I think it was a Twitter thread a while ago, talking about how the Victorians were just the absolute worst human beings in all of history and how, how like, the the Nazis were amateurs. The Nazis made a big show and dance about their white supremacism and and got the entire world, got their asses kicked by the entire world for it. Whereas the Victorians, who were even more racist, basically kept it quiet and and didn't didn't make a whole lot of propaganda and kept it out of their their sort of art art and their poetry and what have you and um uh and 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 managed to have quite a quite a, a long-lasting empire uh, based oh, no, on utter contempt invent... for other races. They didn't. They did invent the concentration camps. Mm, mm. Nazis just borrowed that idea from their predecessors. So yes, yes. Mm. So other bits of, of evidence. So along with the you know the the racism that kind of underpins how could the Indians have built X or the Egyptians have built Y. A lot is also made of the fact that there are really, really, really ornate buildings up until about the middle of the last century. And then suddenly buildings going go from being incredibly ornate with gargoyles everywhere to being incredibly plain. And people are going, well, why? Why is it that we used to be so ostentatious and then we stopped? Unless what happened is that a superior culture was replaced by a cruder culture, and maybe our history is incorrect. Now, can you think of another explanation as to why maybe things used to be ornate and they aren't anymore? Lead paint? Frog? I mean, it's it's around about the same time period, but no. I'm thinking more economic. Oh, uh, where are we talking? The Great Depression? Middle of the last century. Middle of the last century. 
So, you know, uh, just pri- prior to World War II, and actually yeah. probably around about the time of World War One. Uh, oh, Great Depression's 30s. But earlier than that, economic stuff, all the drugs were legal? No, it's labor did, costs. Did we all just get completely wasted? The what, sorry? Labor costs. Uh, uh, getting rid of slavery. Well, no, no, just the fact we used to have really, really cheap, I mean, slavery. <laughs> Let's, let's not let's not let's not downplay slavery here. But we used to have very cheap labor available when it came to building, and so you could make buildings incredibly ornate. After World War Two, in particular, where suddenly the labor force is a lot smaller, you actually don't have the budget to make ornate buildings anymore. You make much plainer buildings as a consequence, unless you get a stylistic change. And so the reason why buildings used to look incredibly ornate and don't in this modern day is it's really expensive to make an ornate building, and people just can't be bothered these days. Mm. Now, or that's what they want those, you to believe. Well, that's, I mean, it's true. I mean, I am now denying the Tartarian Empire hypothesis. Mm. Those basements with windows. Yeah. The reason why so many basements have windows is a lot of the basements with windows that we're talking about were built in an age where there wasn't internal lighting to your house. So if you wanted to have a basement room and you wanted to use it during the day, you needed to build an alcove with a window because otherwise you've just built a dark room you can't do anything with. But what do you, is the window where you put a, a lamp or something? No, so the window allows sunlight to come in during daytime. But I thought it was under, if it's a basement, isn't it underground? Well, no, because so when they talk about these basements with windows, they're talking about basements where you've got a kind of alcove with at street level, which goes beneath the ground, and then you've got a window inset. Oh. Well, there we go. Obviously, you don't know much about basements. Take that, Tartarians. Windows. Mm. I know nothing so, about yeah. basements with windows. Well, I do now, but... I mean, actually, I mean, we we also don't come from a city which has basements with windows because our no. large-scale cities were built after we had internal lighting. Mm. And so, yeah, so, I mean, other issues, I mean, it's a mistake to look at maps that talk about Tartary and assume it's a country rather than a, re- a region. It's a mistake to think that because someone has drawn a flag that the flag is accurate to a location. It's also the fact that no one really called Tartary Tartary in the region of Tartaria. That's a kind of Western name for a region. We go, ah, it's a region over there. What should we call it? We shall call it Tartaria. What should we call that place over there? We shall call it Greece. Is that what the, is that what the people in Greece call it? Oh, no, no, no. They call it the Hellenic States. Oh, Hellenic States is far too hard to say. We'll call mm. it Greece instead. There's a long history of the West going, ah, we're going to call X, Y. I mean, China. China is not the name of the country I'm in, even though if you talk about it in English, it is. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's a long history of Westerners going, we're just going to call the country by a different name because we really can't be bothered using the one that you came up with yourself. Hmm. Yes. Still not clear on where Germany comes from, actually. And that's right next door to England, so yes. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I have to assume racism. Yeah, yeah, it's probably probably a fair bit. So so where does that leave us? Well, I assume we still have a bunch of diehards who nevertheless are insisting that this is all 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 true secret history. Well, this is where this is where it gets complex. So the theory of the Tartarian Empire basically emerged as whole cloth sometime between 2016 and 2017, and it's largely relegated to Reddit and and YouTube. On Reddit, there are two major boards: r slash Tartarian Architecture and r slash Tartaria, and it's not clear if the boards are entirely made up of true believers or some true believers and other people who think it's an elaborate game, which means there are shades of QAnon here. There are some people who do sincerely believe there was a Tartarian empire which is being covered up, and there also appear to be a whole bunch of people who go, well, this is a fun game. I can now take random bits of world history and recast it as being a bit of a mystery and thus enjoy this kind of elaborate prank. So it's a bit hard to know when you're researching the Tartarian Empire 
whether you're dealing with someone who is having fun with a straight face or someone who is being straight-faced about it because they really do believe it's true. Mm. But also... Well, there you go, the Tartarian Empire. No, 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 there's slightly more. So there are some links to other stuff that we've discussed. So advocates of the Tartarian Empire have been quite happy to link their discussion with the Fomenko chronology we've talked about in the past. Oh, yes. So that's the Russian mathematician who, using stats, has tried to argue that history has been basically compressed. Mm. Yep. Now, he talks about there being a Tartarian Empire in the 14th century. This is a problem for some advocates of the Tartarian Empire because they claim it's collapsed by that point. So they claim that he's got his statistical analysis wrong there. But Formenko is also the person who links the Tartarian Empire with North America, and that he claims there was a Siberian American Empire which disappeared in the 18th century around about the time of colonization, which is the point in which Americans took over existing cities and then rewrote their history to claim that they built them in the first place. Hmm. Targeted individuals. Oh. So targeted individuals hmm. have linked Tartaria to their own persecution, claiming that adherents of either theory are being gaslit by the people who deny the reality of what is really happening. Okay, that's 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 a, an interesting crossover. I, I do wonder how large the overlap of that Venn diagram of of targeted individual conspiracy theorists and Tartarian history conspiracy theorists is, but it's an interesting So there's at least three websites, but that also might only mean there's three people. Yes. Mm. And, of course, there's some links to good old-fashioned anti-Semitism, which, of course, goes, goes, I mean, given we've already talked about the racism angle to the Tartarian Empire was always Mm. going to occur. There's an awful lot of discussion in some threads about why Siberia is untouched by the financier and claims about the undermining of the true priestly uh, caste. However, there are also some advocates of the Tartarian Empire hypothesis who claim that all of this anti-Semitism is in fact a plot to make anti-Semitism look bad. So people are going, well, look, this is obviously being designed by someone behind the scenes to make us look stupid. Although, arguably, I don't think they need any help. It doesn't sound like it, no. No. So is that it? And finally... Oh, God, it keeps going. Finally, there's at least one video on YouTube, and I don't know how serious this one is, that claims that good old Aotearoa New Zealand was part of the Tartarian Empire because... When the Pākehā arrived, the buildings and train stations were already here. And the train stations. That's, yep. Yes. And the train stations. Good for them. Yep, that's commitment. Nice. Now, admittedly, I can actually kind of buy this one, because given that we appear to have a rail network and we don't do anything with it, it does seem to require some explanation of, so why did we build it in the first place if we don't use it? Unless, of course, it turned out someone else built it instead. Case closed, Joshua, case closed. Well, it is as good an explanation as any, I suppose. Well, precisely. Mm. So is that it? That's it. You're not going to throw any more little things the, at me? No. Unfortunately, I can't find any Shakespeareans. I'm sure there are probably people who oh, try to find be. references to the Tartarian Empire amongst the work of Shakespeare, but not for this episode. No. Okay. Well, an interesting yarn nonetheless. I, I, I was actually quite I was surprised when you said it, it had only shown up within the last 10 years. I, it sounded to me like one of your your lost continent things that that, that – people have been talking about for for decades or centuries so interesting to see that um the 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 the, the classics still re- still reoccur now i should point out this very is very much is a minority uh, i can't say 
Minoratorian. Minotaurian? Minoratarian? That's the one. Minotaurian. There are Minotaurs as well. Well, I mean, actually, there's a whole conspiracy theory about the Minoan civilization. We won't get into that right now. Not today. So, yes, there are pe- I mean, this is a very minority view. There mm. are not that many people who are advocates of the Tartarian Empire. But at the same time, it is quite a fascinating story. Mm. Well, that's all. That's, that's, that's all we have. And that's all good, basically. Now, I should say, while the internet connection has not been uh, as bad as it has been in previous weeks and that at no point has it died completely and we've had to wait a second for it to establish itself. Um, it has been a little bit ropey, which means that in some of the cases when you were explaining things and I was nodding politely, I actually had no idea what you were saying. So I'm looking forward to getting the final footage and editing it together for the video so I can actually get the entire story and not merely most of it. Um, so that'll be exciting for me, um, as exciting, I hope, as it has been for you, the listener, to listen to it in the first place. Indeedy. Mm. But um, that's it for another episode of What the Conspiracy. We do, of course, have a, a bonus content for the uh, bonus episode for the patrons um, to to record after this one. So we have um, we we, we want to have another look at Haiti. Because as we as we said in the in the uh, bonus content the la, in, over the last couple of weeks, despite the president of a country being assassinated in fairly spectacular fashion, it's kind of dropped out of the news cycle. Partly because the Olympics then happened, and partly because it's it's just a little country that the Western world uh, doesn't pay enough attention to. But we've had a look. So that, so so stuff is still going on in Haiti, and it, it just keeps getting more more uh, convoluted. Um, and also, we're going to talk about Emmanuel Macron and his mysterious owl. Yes, you heard it here. Emmanuel Macron and his mysterious owl. Mm. Uh, so if, if you'd like to hear about that and you are a patron, then just keep on listening. If you'd like to hear about that and you're not a patron, then just become one by going to patreon.com and looking for the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy. Um, and if you're not interested in that, well, there's, there's, there's no accounting for you, I'm afraid. But uh, thank you for listening this far anyway. So I think uh, that at this particular point in time, the only thing uh, that needs to be done is for me to say goodbye. And for me to say murder she wrote. Excellent. You've been listening to a podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, hosted by Josh Edison and M. Dentith. If you'd like to help support us, please find details of our pledge drive at either Patreon or Podbean. If you'd like to get in contact with us, email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com.